Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not a distant God, but you are a God who seeks to make himself known to us. And we thank you for the gift of the Bible, your holy word, um, within which you have spoken to us and you reveal yourself to us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the perfect revelation of God the Father. And we thank you for the stories in John's gospel that reveal Jesus to us. Lord, I pray as we read um, this passage from John and I preach that you would reveal yourself. You would speak to us. You would move in our midst, Lord God, that we would be encouraged and challenged and, and pushed forward to be more and more like Jesus Christ, to give you the praise and the worship that you deserve and to love you more this morning. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Easter, the very first Easter I mean, is the most significant moment in history. It's the reason a carpenter for Nazareth is undoubtedly the most influential man in history. Easter is, of course, the story of Jesus's death on Good Friday. He was crucified on the cross for the sins of the world so that all who believe in Jesus can receive forgiveness for the things that they have done wrong. But it's not just the story of Jesus's death, it's the story of Jesus's resurrection from the dead. And of course today is Easter Sunday, that day that we dedicate in our calendar year to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Of course as Christians we celebrate the resurrection every day because it's a glorious truth. Um, but Easter Sunday is a special day to really celebrate Jesus's resurrection from the dead. And what Jesus's resurrection means for us, for all who believe in Jesus, is that death is not the end for us. We need not fear death. Just as Jesus rose, he gives a gift of eternal life to all who believe in him. And so the story of Easter is a story, not just a momentous moment in history, but a momentous moment in history that transforms our present reality and our present relationship with God. We're forgiven and we have this gift of everlasting life. Now, after the resurrection, after Jesus rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, Jesus remained on the earth for 40 days. And on the 40th day, he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand side of God the Father. And he said to his disciples, one day I'm going to return, I'm going to come back. But the question I want to answer or think about this morning is, what was Jesus doing for those 40 days? After he'd risen from the grave and before he ascended into heaven, what did Jesus spend his time doing? And the answer is that he appeared to lots of different people. And lots of those appearances and moments were very personal moments where he met with one of his followers, one of his disciples, someone whom he loved and someone who loved him. And he appeared to them face to face in the flesh. They touched him and spoke with him and they saw him risen from the grave and they cried and they worshipped and they rejoiced. And, and so when you read the Gospels, you read stories of people saying, I was there. I'm an eyewitness of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I saw him die on the cross and I saw him raised to life again. I touched him. I had breakfast with him. One of the stories is a story of Jesus appearing to a lady called Mary Magdalene. And Mary sees someone who she thinks is the gardener because she doesn't know where Jesus' body is. He says, where's the body? Where have, you, have you moved the body? Where have you put the body? Where have you put the body of my Lord Jesus? And Mary simply says, uh, sorry, and Jesus simply says her name, Mary. And Mary sees and realises that it's the risen Lord Jesus Christ and she clings to him in joy. Jesus is alive and she runs to go and tell the other disciples that Jesus has risen from the grave. 
Jesus also appears to a man called Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas, because he said, I'm never going to believe that Jesus rose from the grave unless I see him and I can see the scars in his hands and I can touch the hole in his side where the spear pierced him. I'm never going to believe it, he says to the other disciples. And then Jesus appears to Thomas and says, Here I am, Thomas. Touch my scars. Feel the hole in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas believes and he falls down and worships and says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. But the appearance I really want to focus in on today is the moment when Jesus appeared to Simon Peter and spoke to Simon Peter in John chapter 21. It's a wonderful story. Um, I actually spoke on this um, about a week ago to a different group and I nearly cried as I was speaking about it. So hopefully that won't happen this morning. Um, but it is a, it's just so beautiful and it's, it's impactful, um, this way that Jesus meets with Simon Peter. So I'm going to read to you from the Bible. I'm going to read from John chapter 21 and I'm going to read verses 1 to 19, this story of the risen Lord Jesus Christ meeting, appearing with the, to the disciples and speaking to Simon Peter. And all the words should appear on the screen behind me. Thank you, Gareth. Um, so John 21, verses 1 to 19. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John who's writing this, that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was torn. The net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When he had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. 
you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Let me introduce you to this man, Simon Peter, who Jesus speaks with after breakfast in John chapter 21. Simon Peter was a fisherman by trade, although you wouldn't have known it by the story because he spends all night fishing and doesn't catch a single fish. He was a confident, quite bullish character. In fact, at times in the gospel stories, Peter, Simon Peter even has the confidence to disagree with Jesus. You know, I don't know whether I would have had the confidence to disagree with Jesus on things, but Simon Peter did. He goes, no, what are you talking about, Jesus? He was a, a confident guy, a bullish kind of character, and he was the leader of the disciples. But on the night when Jesus was betrayed and arrested, Peter's world completely crumbled and fell apart. On that night, his heart was gripped with fear. And as Jesus is on trial, Peter is waiting at a distance outside, too scared to go in. And a little girl comes up to him and says, hey, you're Galen, do you know Jesus? And Peter is so scared, so full of fear that even when he's asked a question by a little girl, he denies even knowing Jesus. I don't know him. What are you talking about? This doesn't just happen once, but it happens three times on the night Jesus was arrested. And what makes this even more amazing moment is that earlier in the night, Peter had been saying to Jesus, I'm never going to leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll even die for you. And yet when he's confronted on that night that Jesus is arrested three times, he denies even knowing Jesus Christ. It's a moment of brokenness for Peter. It's a moment of denial. It's a moment of selfishness. He's letting his friend down to protect himself in this moment. And for that reason, although Simon Peter is at times this bullish, confident guy, he's also really, really relatable on that evening. I think every single one of us have known fear. And there's been moments in our life where fear has caused us to do the wrong thing in our life. Or maybe fear has stopped us doing the right thing in life. I think if you examine your life, you can say, actually, there have been moments when fear has controlled you, stopped you doing what's right, or made you do something that wasn't right. And every single one of us in this room, again, if we're honest with ourselves, can say, there are moments when I've let people who I love down. There are moments where, you know, just like Peter lets Jesus, his friend down, his Lord, his, the one whom he follows in this night, he lets him down. And, and all of us can say, actually, there have been moments in life where, for whatever reason, I have let someone down. I've not done the right thing. I've not loved someone as I should have loved them. And so we can all relate to Peter on that night when he betrayed Jesus, because we've known fear and we've known moments where we've let people whom we love down. And so the important question for Simon Peter and the important question for us as well is, after Jesus has died and risen from the grave, how will Jesus treat Simon Peter? What, how is, what's Jesus going to say to this guy who's let him down? What's the conversation going to be like? How will Jesus treat someone who's acted out of fear? How will Jesus treat someone who's lied three times? How will Jesus treat someone who's let him down on the night he was arrested? 
And the passage I read to you is that very story of how Jesus treats Simon Peter. He appears to Simon Peter on the beach, on the shoreline, as the disciples fish. And, he, and they haven't caught anything all night, but Jesus says, oh, just throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Of course, scientifically, that's an absolute nonsense. The disciples should have turned around and gone, what are you talking about? That's going to make no difference whatsoever. It doesn't matter which side of the boat we put our net in catching fish. And yet, for some reason, they do it. They put their nets on the other side and suddenly the net's bursting full of fish. It's the miraculous power of Jesus Christ shown in this encounter. So Jesus appears to Simon Peter and the disciples on the shoreline and at that moment when the miracle happens John goes to Peter it's the Lord it's Jesus he's appearing again and Peter does something which I find quite humorous and funny he puts on his outer garment and then he jumps into the sea to go and be with Jesus Um, remember that moment by the way remember that moment or that image of Peter launching himself off the side of the boat I'm going to come back to that at the end. He swims to the shore to be with Jesus. Meanwhile, the other guys are the ones who have to row the boat back in and bring the fish with them. Jesus says, one of my favourite verses actually in all the Bible is the moment when Jesus says to the disciples, come and have breakfast. I used to have a friend who had that written on a t-shirt. Jesus said, come and have breakfast. Uh, Men, if that, I think you should listen to that when we have our next men's breakfast, by the way. Jesus says, come and have breakfast. Um, But after breakfast, Jesus pulls Peter aside and they have their own conversation. And I've read it to you, but I just want to enter into this moment of the story where Jesus and Peter, after breakfast, are having this conversation. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter responds, yes, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Jesus asks the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my sheep. And a third and final time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter is grieved in his heart this third time and he says, Lord, you know absolutely everything it's kind of like, why are you asking me this question? You're the Lord. You're the Lord Jesus. You've just, we've just caught a miraculous catch of fish. You know everything. You know that I love you. Now, Jesus doesn't ask Simon Peter that question three times to make him feel guilty. That's not Jesus' intention in this moment. No, what's happening is that Jesus, in kindness and love and gentleness, is restoring Simon Peter not just with his words of of his mouth, but also in his heart. This is a wonderful moment when Jesus restores his friend. After After he's let him down and messed up big time, Jesus comes and speaks with him and asks him these questions to restore Simon Peter in a beautiful, beautiful way. In other words, Jesus doesn't treat Peter with the judgment or the harshment, that, uh, sorry, the harshment, with the judgment and the harshness that his actions deserve. Jesus doesn't treat Peter as he deserves to be treated. You know, if if this was a moment where Jesus treated Peter like he deserved, it was probably like, you let me down on the night when I needed you the most. I'm not going to cook you breakfast and I'm certainly not going to have a conversation with you. Why, Why should I? Why should I have anything to do with you? But Jesus shows his mercy, his love, his kindness and his gentleness. And he beautifully restores Simon Peter in these questions. And I want to draw out three beautiful, beautiful, 
simple but powerful truths from this story of restoration in John chapter 21. And the first truth is this. Christianity isn't for perfect people, but for people who need restoration. Jesus Christ is the one who saves and restores people who struggle with fear, just like Peter, and people who've made mistakes, even let down the people whom they love dearly. Now, you may have heard, you may have understood that Christianity is a long list of rules. Do this, do that, and God will love you. That's what you may have heard. That's what you might think Christianity is, a long list of rules. If you do the right things, then God will love you. Well, in church, we don't call that Christianity. That's not biblical Christianity. We call that legalism. The idea that you earn God's love, you earn God's favour by obeying his commands. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity isn't about earning God's love through your own good works. It's about grace. Now, that word grace means unmerited favour. That word grace means undeserved blessing. Grace is a gift that you have not earned, but is given simply because the person wants to shower love on you, even though you have not earned what you are receiving. And of course, this story of Jesus and Simon Peter having this conversation, this moment of restoration, is a moment where Jesus shows tremendous, tremendous grace. He does not treat Peter as he deserves, but instead he restores him with this conversation. Now, Jesus is our God. He is the one we worship. He is the one we sing about. He is the one we praise. He he shows us what God in heaven is like. And so as Jesus Christ shows grace to Simon Peter, we're seeing just how gracious our God is. He is a God who loves to give people unmerited favour, undeserved blessing. And so I can say this this morning. If you're a perfect person, if you've never done anything wrong in your entire life, then Jesus isn't for you. Christianity isn't for you. You can walk out the door at the back and go and enjoy the rest of your Easter Sunday because Jesus isn't for perfect people. Jesus is for people who need restoration. There's always like a nervy moment there where you think someone might get up and walk out the back door. I'm glad no one did. If you've ever done the wrong thing because of fear, if you've ever let someone down, you are precisely the type of person whom Jesus came to save. We see this in this story as he restores Simon Peter. He's showing us the grace of God. He's showing us that he wants to save and restore people who aren't perfect like you and me. So that's my first point this morning. Jesus comes to restore people. Christianity isn't for perfect people. It's for people who need forgiveness and mercy and restoration. The second truth I want to draw out from this story is that Jesus undoes the wrong things in our lives. Why does Jesus get Peter to say that he loves Jesus three times? Surely it's connected and to reverse the guilt and shame of Peter denying him three times before he died. There's a significance there, isn't he? Getting him to say it three times helps to heal him on the inside from from what's happened to him before Jesus' crucifixion. In a sense, there's an undoing of the wrong that was done before the cross. And this is precisely what Easter is all about, undoing our sin. 
This is why Easter is a tremendous and wonderful story. This is why Jesus dies on the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus takes all the bad things that we've ever done, all the times we've acted out of fear, all the times that we've let other people down. Jesus takes those moments upon himself and he dies on the cross. Imagine Jesus is here and he has a conversation with you today. And he says, let's swap. Let's do a swap. You take all my goodness and all my righteousness, all the right and good things and kind things and loving things that I've done. You take that so that you stand before God blameless and loved for eternity. And I'll take your sin. I'll take the things you've done wrong. I'll take the, th- the lies that you've told. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll take all those, all those selfish moments. I'll take them upon myself. All the, all the things you've done wrong in your life, I'll take those. You take my goodness. I'll take the things that you've done wrong. So that I stand before God, a sinner, a liar, a thief, and a selfish man. This is what's happening at the cross. A swap is occurring. An exchange is taking place. And on the cross, Jesus endures the punishment that we deserve for our sin. He endures the punishment for sin upon the cross. He substitutes himself in our place. You know, we were headed to that moment of punishment and judgment and Jesus says, let's sub, let's get the sub and Jesus comes in and substitutes himself in our place upon the cross. He dies a sinner's death, but in dying a sinner's death, he frees us from guilt and shame. He undoes our sin in our lives and the wrong things that we've done in the past so that all who believe in Jesus receive this glorious, undeserved gift of grace, forgiveness for all the things that we've done wrong. Now on Easter Sunday we remember that he did not remain in the grave after dying on the cross, but he rose again in glory and in power. And so Christians believe, this is what we believe in this church, everyone who believes in Christ believes that on the cross he defeated sin so that you can receive forgiveness for the things you've done wrong. And that in the resurrection Christ defeated death so that you receive the gift of everlasting life. Jesus is the one who defeats sin. Jesus is the one who defeats death. Jesus is the one who offers you these tremendous gifts this morning. This is way more precious than all the Easter eggs in the world. This precious gift that Jesus offers to us at Easter. Forgiveness and everlasting life, life to the full. This is the good news we preach and believe as Christians. That's what that word gospel means. Gospel just means good news. And so we preach the gospel, we proclaim the good news that Jesus died for us. He was a substitute in our place. And he offers us forgiveness and everlasting life and an eternal relationship with God. This is just not life as we know it here on earth. This is life in, a re- in relationship with God and one day to see God face to face and to be with him forever and ever. This is the story of Easter. Jesus undoes the wrong things in your life. My third and final truth that I want to draw out from this story is that Jesus gives us purpose. You see, Jesus doesn't just ask Peter a question and then listen for the answer. After each of Peter's answer, there's a, there's a command, isn't there? There's an instruction, there's a charge. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, Jesus says to Peter. He asks him a question and then he gives him a charge. He gives him a purpose. And when Jesus says, feed my sheep, 
he's speaking about Peter's leadership and teaching as an apostle. Peter goes on to be a key leader in the church and to feed the sheep is to teach other Christians the truths of Jesus Christ, to teach and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, which, which we believe. And to tend the flock, to tend the sheep, is of course to look after other Christians. This is what Peter goes on to do. He teaches and preaches and proclaims and he looks after the sheep. He cares for other Christians. He shows them the love that he himself has received from Jesus Christ. Isn't this extraordinary? Jesus takes the man who on the night he was arrested completely lets him down and falls away and is petrified and filled with fear in his heart. This man is not equipped in so many ways to be a key leader in the church. He, you know, this man on the night that Jesus was arrested is the worst possible person you could have chosen in a way for what Peter goes on to do. Jesus takes this man, Simon Peter, he restores him through these questions and then he says, now you have a purpose, you have a role, you have a, you have a goal to go after. This is how Jesus treats people. He takes imperfect people like you and me, he restores us, and then he gives us purpose. He tells us to go and spend our lives telling other people about Jesus Christ, the good news which we believe. He gives us purpose to go and love the poor and the needy in our society, the people who need to be loved the most. He teaches us to be generous. Go and spend your life being generous to others, caring for other people. He he tells us to feed people physically, people who are hungry, but also to feed people spiritually. This This is, again, part of the gospel that Jesus not only shows us grace and restores us, he then sends us out with his power in the Holy Spirit to live out a purpose. Now look at verse 19, the very end of the passage that I read to you. Right at the end of this conversation between Peter and Jesus, what does Jesus say to Peter? Follow me. Very simply, that captures all that it is to live out the purposes that Jesus has for you. Jesus restores us, forgives us, gives us the gift of everlasting life. And he says, follow me, learn from me, listen to my teaching, walk with me. Follow my example. Show love to the poor and needy. Show kindness and care. Even follow my example into death. Jesus laid down his life in order to love other people. And so we make sacrifices and give up our lives in order to care for those who are less fortunate than us. We're following Christ's example. And Peter did that very thing, didn't he? If you know the traditions about Simon Peter, Simon Peter was arrested for his faith because he was preaching the gospel and ultimately he, was, he died. He followed Christ's example. He gave his life saying, I know there's something even more glorious coming. I don't mind dying here on earth. I don't mind giving my entire life to serving Jesus here on the earth because I know I'll be raised, because Christ was raised and I will be seated in the heavenly, heavenly places and, and then the new heavens and the new earth will come in when Jesus returns and I will be in paradise with God forever and ever. I don't mind giving up my life, says Peter, because I'm following Jesus and that's what he did for me. This is the purpose given to every single Christian, to follow Jesus Christ. So I want to say to you all this morning, Easter is good news for imperfect people. Because Christianity isn't for perfect people. It's for those people who need forgiveness and mercy and restoration. 
it's for people who struggle with anxiety and, and, and need to know that they can still rejoice because of what Jesus has done for us in dying and rising again. It's good news for imperfect people. Easter is good news for people who need forgiveness, for people who've shown fear, for people who've let other people down because Christ on the cross removes guilt and takes our shame upon himself and brings them to the grave. It's good news because Jesus in the Easter story undoes our sin. And it's good news for people who need purpose in their lives. Jesus says to each and every one of you today, follow me. He says, come and have breakfast. And he says, follow me. Would you follow Jesus and live out the purpose that he has for you? He is the one who died because he loves you. He is the one who rose again in power because death could not hold him. And he is the one who lovingly and gently restores Simon Peter, undoes his sin and gives him a purpose. And that's how he treats people. That's how he treats you and me. This is you, lots of stories in this room, testimonies of people in this room saying, this is how Jesus has treated me. I did things wrong in my life. I did not deserve the grace of Jesus, but Jesus met with me in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and my life was transformed. I was restored. And now he's given me a purpose that I'm trying to live out in following Jesus Christ. We have a wonderful Lord and Saviour in Jesus. And this story just encapsulates his loving, gentle restoration. So I'm going to invite us to respond to this story that we've read and the words that I've spoken. So I want, you to, I want all of you to close your eyes. And in a moment, I'm going to lead us in, in prayer. I'm going to pray for some specific groups this morning. Do you remember that moment where Peter launched himself off the side of the boat to be on the beach with Jesus? Well, I'm going to ask for just a simple quite a private response to what I've spoken. And if, you are, if you're feeling God speak to you, you want to respond, I want you to imagine this is your jumping off the boat moment to go and be with Jesus. So all I'm going to ask you to do is to raise your hand. Everyone else's eyes are closed and no one will see. All I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand if, if this is you. And there are a few groups I want, to, I want to pray for. So if you're not a Christian, but you want this restoration that Simon Peter received. You want a relationship with God. You want this forgiveness and mercy. You want this everlasting life. You want this purpose that Simon Peter responded. If you're not a Christian, I just invite you to raise your hand and respond. Um, again, no one will see it, but this is your jumping off the boat moment in a sense, responding to Jesus. If you would call yourself a Christian, but recently you've been drifting, not prioritizing God, uh, maybe you're a bit like Simon Peter, you were following Jesus and then you had this kind of catastrophic moment where it all fell apart for you. But you want to be restored, you want to come back into this moment of response. I'd invite you to just raise your hand as well. And I'm going to pray and lead those people in prayer before moving on to another group who I'd like to invite to respond. Lord Jesus, we just confess that we have done things wrong, that we need restoration that we need your mercy, we need your forgiveness. We have at times acted out of fear. We have at times let people down whom we love. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way you speak to Simon Peter in this story. And thank you that that's how you deal with people. You love to restore us. And Lord, I pray for your restoration. I pray for your mercy. Thank you that you died on the cross for our sin. Thank you that you rose from the grave in power and grant us eternal life. And we just receive that and we say this morning, we want to follow you. We want to follow in your footsteps. We want to follow you with everything that we are. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you prayed that prayer, just say amen in your heart. Um, keep your eyes shut because I just want to offer another opportunity to respond. If you are a Christian and you felt like you've been struggling with fear or with guilt recently, maybe fear is holding you back or something you did wrong, sort of stopping you from living your Christian life, I just invite you to raise your hand as well. Um, this is exactly what happened to Simon Peter. He was struggling with fear, struggling with guilt. And so I just want to pray for you if you if you feel like there's fear in your life that's hampering you just invite you to jump off the boat be with Jesus and come for a moment of prayer so if, if that's you would you raise your hand and um, and if there are others who want greater clarity in the purpose that Jesus has for them just want to invite you to respond that way as well raise your hand okay let me let me pray um, Lord Jesus I thank you that you restore people who struggle with fear and I pray in Jesus name you would take away fear and guilt from our hearts, that fear would not hold us back, that we would be bold and full of faith in serving you. I pray that guilt, things that are clinging to us that we need to throw off knowing that you died to take away our guilt, I pray that you would do that in Jesus name. Heal hearts in this moment now Lord Jesus. Take away fear, take away guilt and restore us so that we would serve you with everything, with our whole hearts, no longer feeling like we're hampered by these things. And Lord, I thank you that you give us a purpose. You say, follow me. And you, and you said to Simon Peter, this is your job. This is your purpose. This is your charge. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to people now and reveal purpose in their hearts and minds, that they would know what you have for them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.